0: sports but we came here to win the most legit podcast that's why we know you're tuning in we cover the biggest news we underdogs but we can't lose so trust the process yes you because we got chris and anchu to bless you with the best features best stories we diving deep like a lambo leak wake up kid and stop snoring we on point just like this beat. bring the passion like the talk path in the cold get a cold brown sit back and race the cat because we start this show like right now
1: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog, Chris Horadale, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How you doing, buddy?
0: Doing okay. How's it going with you?
1: Anshu, we have uh, so much to talk about today. You know, later on we're going to get to all the NFL games this week. We've got the lines open at Pavada Sportsbook in front of me. But before that, you know, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We uh, we had some rain up here in Northern California and that oh, was a, a nice exciting. change of pace. Yeah. Our, our first, uh, I, I want to say first first or second rain since the pandemic started so <laughs> this, is, this is ever the challenge yes. in the in the year of 2020 oh but that but that's okay it's uh that's just Bo saying hello to everybody that's right his his voice is as welcome as anyone else's
0: <laughs> certainly more welcome than mine that's for sure
1: <laughs> how are uh how are things in your neck of the woods
0: well other than super loud and annoying it's uh it's pretty much <laughs> great no it's 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 going okay, you know, have had some uh some big acquisitions over the last little bit, but uh yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's been fun. How's it going overall with you?
1: Keeping oh, that man, mental I'm health good. good. Oh no, no. The mental health has been gone forever. The mental <laughs> health has been gone for so long. There's just there's just so much stuff going on, so much stuff in the pipeline, so much stuff to do constantly. I just Uh, I had to put my phone away a couple of Sundays ago because I woke up and I had, you know, something like 11 texts and three missed calls on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, I don't want to deal with anything. (laughs) Yeah. Humble brag that people ask me to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, No, it's yeah. I just I just needed to put my phone away and I needed to just enjoy the Sunday and just relax and watch football and all of that good stuff. But, you know. You, it's never it's never a bad thing to be busy right
0: absolutely yeah i mean it's generally a good thing i would say especially these days better busy than uh sitting around and wondering what might be much like uh i don't know if there's a segue but much like a certain number what 11 for the eagles
1: Let's uh, hey, you're you are the Segway king. So let's talk about number eleven for the Eagles and uh, and Carson Wentz being the backup quarterback in Philadelphia. Now Jalen Hurts makes his uh, made his first start against the Saints this weekend. Naturally, the Eagles opened up <laughs> to a huge lead uh, because why not Jalen Hurts starting against the best defense in the NFC, and you know, he looked all right. Uh, I, I think there's definitely a stark contrast in terms of how Doug Peterson called plays. And and what we actually saw out of the quarterback for the Eagles. I, I saw a really interesting stat that Hertz was pressured fourteen times. Of those times, he took no sacks and generated 82 positive yards. Whereas, you know, you have to think that in that similar situation, judging from past performance, Carson Wentz takes four sacks.
0: Yeah. Oh man. That that is probably the one very easily uh tagged. Change for Carson Wentz, at least for me, for as an outsider, is you know him hanging onto the ball has been such a like this year specifically. Uh, mm. It just seems like there's you know again like I think he's got the yips almost, or he's he's seeing ghosts and you know not trusting his offensive line, and it's very clear you know I, you see what Miles Sanders said as far as mm. Jalen Hurts providing a spark, and I think that more than like any kind of leadership or super impressive grasp of the offense or anything, it's just you know, like, he's not giving up on plays, it, which is like, it's right. it's a cliche, but it makes so much sense when you contrast the way that those two guys play. Hertz has so much enthusiasm for the position right now because of his status, and, you know, sometimes you do need just, like, a fresh set of eyes on the offense, and that's kind of what Hurts is providing. He's he's taking advantage of, you know, there there is talent on that team, and he is a talented player, and I, I do... Think that they don't have a terrible coaching staff by any means. I know that you might disagree, but I do. I just I think that it's been it's been interesting to see his his role in that offense bring out you know much more of the offense than what Wentz was get bringing to the
1: table. Yeah, you know I think you mentioned the calm, and there's something to that because Jalen just doesn't seem rattled, and that honestly that might be his strongest trait right now yeah. at the quarterback position. He's not the best thrower in the world. He is not Lamar Jackson running the ball, but he's calm under the pressure, uh, under pressure. Really to play like he did in that start against that team. It's it shows a lot. Um and you're right, the the situation, I don't I don't know that Doug Peterson's necessarily a bad coach. In fact, I don't think he's a bad coach, but much in the same way that I didn't think Andy Reid was a bad coach. Sometimes relationships end and it's time to move on and it's better for both parties mm-hmm. if you know they both get fresh starts. I think that might be the case in Philadelphia, but for whatever reason, like every quarterback other than Carson Wentz seems to bring out the best in Doug Peterson's play calling. For whatever reason, he just doesn't understand or doesn't get how to call plays for Carson, and they've been different since Frank Reich left for the Colts a couple of years ago. And that that seems like the most logical situation. You know, you you read all these stories about. Oh, you know the, the executives say there's a lot of value for Carson Wentz around the league and blah blah blah. It seems like Carson Wentz and maybe even Zach Ertz uh, should be playing for Frank Reich in Indianapolis next year.
0: Yeah, I mean I, it's a really interesting point. I, that that fit makes a lot of sense to me. I, you know, I for sure have the same type of deference for Reich as I do Peterson, if not more, based on what we've talked about over the last you know few months. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm I'm eager to see whatever they do next because. You know, like, watching the Colts, you see Reich just absolutely squeeze any last drops out of whatever's left in Phil Rivers' career. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell that, like, I I mean, honestly, if he was anywhere else, if he was with the Chargers, I think they're doing even worse than they would be doing right now with Herbert. Like, he, he clearly seems off. And, I, I mean, not often that, like, he's not seeing the field the same way, but he's just his arm, which was never great, is betraying him even more often now. And you know, you see it with the way that Wright brings in Brissett, um, you know, in certain situations. And and I just you know, it, it to see him with like a really talented quarterback that's not broken completely would be, I, I think, mm-hmm. terrifying for that division and really interesting for anyone that doesn't have uh, any skin in the game.
1: The other interesting element to this um, is that. Carson Wentz is going to present a great value financially for whatever team trades for him. It's just he's a remarkably poor value for the Eagles right. if they have to let go of him because you're talking about 33 million in dead cap on uh, dead money on next year's cap. Whereas if you trade him, all of a sudden there's no guarantees and he's just a, a straight 25 million dollar non guaranteed contract to whoever has him.
0: Yeah, I oh man, it, it's really not a bad deal. Like you, you see the numbers and you're like, oh boy, that's that's a you know very untenable situation. No, it's not. I mean, not for a team that's you know in a position to give him the sort of support that he needs, but it's just, it's so hard for any other team that hasn't had a decision-maker that mm. hasn't worked with a quarterback. You know, like, it's not, it's just not the same because you're not only getting the player with the deal, you also have to give something up significant in return. And so that's where the Colts are in such an interesting spot, as you say. Like, I mean, Reich does have experience with once he knows all the the pluses and minuses maybe that takes them out of the running maybe that's a thing that you know makes them say I don't know we can do better but I I I, my hunch is that that would be a perfect fit for everyone because I I don't think anyone's you know deluded themselves into thinking that Carson Wentz's career is over by any means but and then you know if you like if you put him back on the trajectory he was on with the coach that helped get him there I think that's that's just such a, a great scenario and then you know, when you think of Wentz himself and like the issues that we were just talking about, as far as taking sacks, there's no better offensive line in football really to put him behind that, right. that Colts line. So I think that that's all of that gels together so wonderfully for that fit.
1: Yeah. You know, the last time Frank Reich and Carson Wentz were together, Carson Wentz probably would have won MVP if he didn't get hurt late in the season, obviously finished two to your guy, Aaron Rogers that year. So there's a, uh, there's some history there and uh, it seems like it, it could well work out but you know we'll find out i'll take a i don't know i'll, I'll take a two or a three this year and a conditional pick that can be you know can be a high pick if a lot of things are met next year um it's just it's time to move on and i think that's very clear and i just worry that it, that doug peterson's a guy who is just he has an idea of what he wants to do he has his favorites and uh he's not particularly flexible mentally when it comes to making these sort of adjustments and Look at what's going on with mid-season superstar Travis Fulgham. <laughs> Fulgham proved that he is at worst, he's a, he's a decent NFL wide receiver. We saw we saw him produce. We saw him produce against number one cornerbacks when he was forced into that situation. He's probably not going to be a superstar, but I do think that he's an NFL player. Absolutely, he got the fifth most snaps of any Eagle wide receiver of all of five Eagle wide <laughs> receivers last week. Greg Ward led the team with 51 snaps. Jalen Rager got 47. And by the way, they have no no idea how to get Jalen Rager involved in this offense. Why they're not throwing deep to that guy twice a game, I don't understand. Mm. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, third with 31 snaps. Quez Watkins, fourth huh. with 22 snaps. And Fulgham got just 11 snaps last week.
0: Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, when Fulgham was really doing well in the middle of the season, it seemed like they were using him, you know, in that sort of big slot role. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Ward's improved health or some kind of chemistry he has with Jalen Hurts is changing that at all. But like that, it doesn't make sense to me because I think that, especially for like a smaller quarterback or or sort of lighter quarterback like Hurts, having a big slot is a really nice, you know, piece to have in terms of like another big target and I know that now obviously having Zach Ertz back also kind of affects that I think and then you know it did seem like they were reintegrating uh, Miles Sanders into the fray a little bit but I I mean there's there's there is no excuse for Quez Watkins to get more right now no. more burned than what we saw out of Fulgham because like you say like I mean no matter what you thought of them coming into the season the fact that Fulgham produced the way that he did in the middle of the season just proves like you've got to be to your point like you've got to be able to re I, I don't know to find ways to get him the ball or get him on the field cuz he just finds ways of getting open and he's that's a young quarterback's best friend I would think.
1: Yep, 10 catches week 2, 6 catches week 3, 5 catches week 4, 6 catches week f- uh 5, 1 catch, 1 catch, 2 catches, 0 catches on next to no targets. So mm. doesn't make sense to me, but I know it is. Uh, it is what it is. I suppose. Um, you know the the one thing I really wanted to talk about at the top before you got me onto this uh, Carson Wentz diatribe, and <laughs> uh, you know, got got the blood, got the blood all riled, is what happened. Uh, what happened in college basketball this weekend? Just a, a really unfortunate, really scary situation with Florida star Keontae Johnson. Uh, for those who aren't aware of what happened, and uh, you know I can't imagine you're listening to the show if you're not. Coming out of a timeout, Johnson collapsed on the court face first uh, in the middle of his game this past weekend. He was put into a medically induced coma. He is, you know, it's really hard to get information on exactly what's going on right now is what I have found. But it seems like he was taken out of it yesterday when he was moved to a different hospital and you know he's responding to as they say simple commands mm-hmm. i'm not you know i don't know if that's blinking i don't know if that what that is but this is a really scary situation because you know first when this happens you can't help but go to Hank gathers yep. and it w- it was 30 years ago you know this year that gathers collapsed on the court for loyal maramount and uh, was later pronounced dead died of a heart muscle disorder called cardiomyopathy. We know that, and and I I should point out that anything we're saying at this point is pure speculation and conjecture, because we know really nothing about his condition past that he's in critical but stable condition. We know Keontae Johnson tested positive for for coronavirus in the summer. We know that one of the reported side effects is myocarditis, which is a a heart issue, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that plays a part. I don't know if that exacerbated a previously existing condition, but it's hard to ignore that. We're looking at a guy. You know, this is this is a man. This is a 21 year old in his peak physically athlete, a six five three, you know, 230 pound wing, just a, a a rock. This this is the top one percent of top one percent of people in the physical conditions in in the world, and you know he just collapsed during a game and you have to wonder what's going on and what's next
0: yeah my mind immediately went to Reggie Lewis because I actually remember Mm. that um, which is just a crazy situation of course you know hope everything's okay and Keontae Johnson is certainly an NBA type prospect assuming you know coming into the SEC
1: preseason player of the year yeah
0: I mean absolute stud and uh, I mean you just you hope everything's good the coronavirus thing has to be considered you know it's easy Mm -hmm. to just wave it away like people want to say that all the time I know last night I I even saw on Twitter like people mocking sort of the idea that Lamar Jackson might be cramping up and it's because of coronavirus or like Mm -hmm. you know the immediate idea of deferring to coronavirus as opposed to him just you know either having the runs or whatever the case may be but you know th- sure. it does it really does in all serious have like significant side effects that we only know to be significant and, and you know there are other ways that it obviously impacts the human body that we that you know we just can't predict or don't know because otherwise Keontae Johnson doesn't get on that court you know and so yeah um, that's terrifying obviously hope that everything's all right and it does sound like he's facetiming with his team and
1: yeah, I just got that notice too. He is—he's talking again.
0: Yeah, which is—I mean, I, like that we're even discussing this as, like that's a big positive. Is just it's crazy. It's it's so unfortunate. Um, and you know, you just hope that things get right for him. But it—I think it brings, you know, sort of like a a better, more full picture of like what we're dealing with. You know, and mm-hmm. um, especially with a week until the NBA season starts, I think, you know, you think about basketball specifically being played indoors and a full see the idea of a full season and travel and no real like significant new, um, you know, I don't know, precautions. And we've got a vaccine that's yeah. going to be available here in the next six months. I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's going to be easy to get frustrated with the idea of, of deactivating certain players because of, the fear of contact tracing or whatever the case may be, but, like, if it saves some, anyone, from having to go through a Keontae Johnson and his family or going through, then it's totally worth it.
1: Agreed completely. It's it just, it makes me wonder if, if this is the kind of thing that acts as a precursor to, you know, an increased testing regimen or something like that. Hope Do so. Do we... I agree. I mean, do again, pure conjecture, whether or not coronavirus had anything to do with what's going on with Keontae Johnson right now, but it could, but you know, but it exactly right. That's exactly right. And in this situation, it's always better to take the time and be safe on the side of caution. Totally. I I wonder if this means, you know, if, if this means that, you know, that before they, they're allowed to play the, you know, NFL players, NBA players, whatever, have to subject themselves. Is a horrible way to put it, but it's true. To a more a slightly more invasive round of testing to make sure that there, are, you know, guys who have tested positive don't have any heart conditions, don't have any other conditions mm-hmm. caused by this. Then that's great. You know, the even if it even if it's not based on coronavirus, look at what happened a couple of years ago when John Doran Boss was traded to the New Orleans Saints. He gets traded to the Saints, the medical, the physical, the routine physical uh, that has to be completed before the trade can be announced shows that he has a significant heart issue and he's done. He could have died at any point on the field and just wish they should all be tested. Like There's no reason not to test everyone before they play in an actual professional game and and certainly college players as well.
0: I, I'm. I was just going to mention college because we're talking about Keontae Johnson, and this is a guy who you know has potential millions, you know, just in front of him. And I, I mean, it's really, really difficult to make these kinds of calls, and you know, it's it's not an easy conversation to have. But like, it's worth saving the life, essentially, you know. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then again, like, just to bring it full circle, like, we don't know how coronavirus exacerbates any sort of pre existing conditions. I mean, we know some, um, and obviously mm-hmm. the doctors know way more than we do, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that if, if it was obvious, then, you know, we would probably know about it and we would see more players being deactivated ahead of time. And so, you know, I, I just, things weird, it's, it's having, I shouldn't say strange effects, just effects that we're unaware of. And I think we need to be aware of the mystery around it. And I like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, Again, it's really unfortunate for Keontae Johnson, but if it helps change somebody else's trajectory or even potentially change somebody else's trajectory, particularly before these players are getting paid to do so, like I hope that that is what happens.
1: Agreed. Let's, let's talk about the other big basketball story of the day, and that is that Giannis Antetokounmpo signs a five-year Supermax with the Milwaukee Bucks, putting to rest all of the questions about Will he or won't he in in Milwaukee? He and uh, he and the Bucks are now married for quite some time. Were you uh, were you at all surprised that he signed the Supermax after the moves they made this offseason?
0: Yes, I will say I, I'm not surprised he eventually like I thought that he would probably sign it at some point, but it felt like that, you know, his his initial season beginning presser it really did feel like for the first time he wasn't completely committed and mm-hmm. that was in context i mean he really didn't commit to the idea of being in milwaukee's like i'll let my agents take care of it and my thought on that was just like isn't it you know isn't it just like a yes or no thing like either they can offer you the right. max or not you know and so um it does seem like uh i mean i'm just i'm really happy that he did because You know, I think we've talked about this. Josh and I have talked about this. A lot of, you know, NBA fans, I think a lot of the NBA is really sick of the movement that's happening. You know, like it makes for really fun off seasons, but it also makes for like some of the most boring regular seasons when you've got the super Mm -hmm. teams and you've got like the players selling themselves out. Um, And not like I blame them by any means. Like you have the right to, you know, win your championships and do what you need to do to, you know, build your brand or make the most money for you. I totally get that. But as a fan, I also have the right to judge you for making those decisions. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, it's sort of heartening that Giannis is the one guy that, that has decided to stay in Milwaukee where, you know, they're trying to build it the right way, but they've like candidly, like they, they just haven't done an amazing job of doing that. And so, you know, LeBron in the exact same spot, essentially 15 years ago or whatever it was, didn't take that chance. And, and Giannis did. So, I, uh, I, my respect for him has risen from where it already was
1: for sure. I checked out Bavada to see if this changed the lines at all. You know, if they were factoring in the up like a potential Giannis deal, but it, it doesn't seem like it did. They mm-hmm. still sit plus 600, tied for the third best, uh, odds to win the championship and uh, second best in the Eastern Conference behind Money Suck Brooklyn Nets. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, this wow, this that move, is
0: wild. I'm really surprised about that.
1: That's look, that's a full-on his money type situation yeah. is is mm. what that is, and and you know it. I guess it could also be viewed as you're you're playing this on the chance that they do end up acquiring Harden for peanuts God. because that team looks different at that point. Yeah. But by the way, can we talk about James Harden for a second uh. before I want to get back? To, I want to get back to the honest thing. Mm-hmm. First of all, Harden just handling this as poorly as as humanly possible. He uh you know, they're showing he's in strip clubs without a mask on, just doing everything wrong, whining, not supporting. By the way, this is the year we're all supposed to, you know, get behind our coaches, and especially when, when African-American coaches get the chance to lead a team. And, you know, he's just – he's not at all behind his coach. Steven Silas. Uh, not, yeah. not not at all behind Steven Silas, not showing any support at all. saying, Basically saying he's willing to talk basketball with his coach, and that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This is just uh, he handling it so poorly. He shows back up. I watched that, uh, that first game, that Houston game. I uh, was it maybe against the Bulls. Yeah. I don't remember. And I thought, like, I thought John Wall looked good. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought Boogie looked pretty good. Surprised Boogie got the start. Uh, but he played well. Like, that seems at least interesting. And it's just, it's such a, such a poor move, both for the team perspective and for his own trade value to just, take this whiny brat attitude
0: yeah I I mean you want to talk about likable versus unlikable the contrast between Giannis and Harden is striking and Mm -hmm. um yeah I Harden is just such an annoying central figure in this entire league and you know obviously wherever he goes is you know it's it's going to be a big change to those lines you know and and, I mean for good reason he's a an incredibly efficient player and useful player but You know, when you talk about the character of a guy, like he is as low as it gets on in my book, not like as low as, you know, actual criminals are on the scale (laughs) of some of the other sports, quote unquote heroes that we've seen. But he, you know, he just like as a man, he is he is so mind numbingly dumb to me. And I I, it would be really frustrating for me to be a fan of a team that traded for him um, and dissociating his on court abilities, which are profound versus his off-court stupidity
1: I agree and uh, it does seem like that sooner or later we will have a James Harden trade to talk about but we're not there yet Uh, the Giannis thing really shakes up this next offseason because you know a handful of teams the Dallas Mavericks included were really setting up to make a run at Giannis and all of a sudden this free agent market looks a lot worse you know, Giannis was the number one guy. He's off the table. He gets the five-year Supermax, $228 million. I believe it's a uh, the fifth year as a player option. LeBron also signed a, a two-year $85 million extension that takes him through that 22-23 season. He's off the market. Kawhi is still there. It'll be interesting to, to see what happens with the Clippers, but mm. his teammate Paul George signs a four-year extension worth $190 million to stay with the Clippers. So now you're talking about, You know, you're talking about Rudy Gobert, you're talking about Victor Oladipo, you know, Drew Holiday, Kyle Lowry as the top guys on the market. It's just that is, uh, and I guess the one guy to watch is Blake Griffin, who, man, Blake Griffin is, I think people forget how good he is because he hasn't been healthy for a while. Mm -hmm. I was watching those Detroit games and that, that he is this skilled in terms of ball handling and passing coming from where he came from as a player at Oklahoma is mind boggling. Yeah. He Blake, Blake Griffin's incredibly talented. There's just no two ways about it. And he does, uh, if he stays healthy, he ascends back into that superstar status, but he hasn't yet. Uh, so, you know, who is the guy? If, if it's not, does, would you think Dallas would make a play for Kawhi if, uh, if they had the opportunity?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, they would, anyone would make the play for him. And yeah, Dallas, it does seem like it's sort of biding their time. But, you know, as you bring up that list, like, and I was thinking about this with Giannis, uh, you know, the NBA even NBA free agency is now trades, you know, like it's, yeah, it's so sure. much. James Harden, you know, signs that, you know, has this absolute albatross and he has to get traded. And, you know, now he's essentially a free agent, you know, and he makes his list of teams that he would play for or whatever. And I don't know. How much control he truly has um but you know that's 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 the kind of new reality we're facing and i think that like you bring up those names but certainly you think of guys like you know potentially available good players on either bad or rebuilding teams so bradley beal's name obviously always mm-hmm. comes up but he's been the great soldier with the ross westbrook stuff already and um you know and you just like I think that the key now is just to be flexible and keep your paper dry and be ready or powder Mm -hmm. dry so that you're ready to strike if one of these guys demands a deal. And then you just have to have the assets to make the move. And I think that's where, you know, what the Thunder are doing and what the Pelicans are doing is really, really smart because, you know, now they have the ability, if things happen the way that they could, you know, to strike on players like that when someone comes available. And that's, that's the new inequity over free agency, I think.
1: Yeah, and my, by the way, can we talk about how insulting these hardened rumors are to Ben Simmons? <laughs> ben Simmons, you know, you, when you talk about the Heat, they say, oh, you know, you know, Bam Adebayo is off the table. When you talk about those teams, similar young, talented players off the table. But for some reason, Ben Simmons, who's first-team All-NBA defense, third-team All-NBA in general, multiple-time All-Star, everyone just assumes that he's on the table and uh it it's just because it of the
0: ben and joe thing you know
1: i i guess but like it just seems it's like
0: it's not because he's worse it, by anyone
1: it's insane it's insane to me that people would assume that bam autobios is untouchable and ben simmons is uh readily available
0: no no i it's totally just I, I mean my perception of that would just be it's clearly just because of you know of of the perceived like animosity, which there obviously isn't any between Mm -hmm. Embiid and Simmons. So, and that's just like totally outside bias that other people would say that.
1: And it's, you know, I love that the media continues to make this a story, despite the fact that there has never once been a single instance where you you, you were led to believe these two didn't like each other. Mm. Are they different personalities? Sure they are, but that, but being different personalities and not liking each other are two entirely different things. Um, I don't know it's just crazy. I find it insulting, uh, insulting to Ben and and, uh, and to uh, the 76ers you. in general, and to me because uh, <laughs> we're we're the we're the big two who are affected by this. Ben and I. <laughs> well, you're uh, clearly
0: on a first name basis, which I can appreciate. So.
1: Yeah, well, he's younger than me. I feel like I'm on a first name basis with anyone who's younger than me. Oh, so. Got it. Yeah, and I feel like that that rolls in place.
0: I like that. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that.
1: I'm not I'm not calling you Mr. What are you talking about? I'm a decade <laughs> older than you. Get out of here. Um, anyway, that's good that, I'm sure that's gonna treat me really well in life. but uh, yes. can I, I can I tell you as someone who ha, uh, has had the unique opportunity to get to talk to a lot of like big name people for various shows and stuff like that, I have struggled with that from time to time. I've, you know, as I do prep for, you know, for shows, whether, you know, you know, talking to recently, even Chris Myers or Michael Irvin or people like that, uh, that's a humble break. Yeah. I wonder, like, how, like, how am I supposed to address them? Mr. And, Myers. Yeah. But, but, you know, I always just go like, I'm I'm just calling you by your first name. Yeah. That's just what it is. I think you it's have
0: to is. do that. Unless it's like someone, I think a generation older, maybe. Oh, which Michael I guess, Irvin.
1: For, yeah. Michael Irvin's 58. 56 wow. or something like that okay
0: yeah dang, yeah yeah i don't know i think uh, <laughs> i hope i didn't
1: just really insult, uh, insult michael Irvin. yeah i right. was gonna say he's 54
0: okay yeah i mean do what do you call him did you call you called him mike right well, or I called him michael yeah michael yeah yeah, I called him michael.
1: yeah
0: that's interesting i don't know what i would say i would probably be like mr playmaker or something
1: <laughs> <laughs> mr hello mr hall of famer uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. i really look Number- up to you in little giants number 88 i i always kind of hated you well uh, as you were a uh, cowboy <laughs> i did tell him that i started off our conference i like i feel like that's an icebreaker though
0: yeah 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 of course
1: i feel like it's like you know it's it's um i <laughs> i said something along the lines of, like i'll tell you what michael i was was really uh i thought it was really interesting up doing the prep for this because as a podcaster i'm so excited to have you on the show and as an eagles fan i just hate you so much <laughs>
0: Oh, wow yeah I uh I hated that. That was,
1: you so much yeah.
0: yeah I was gonna say hate is that that would be a different kind of uh trajectory to that conversation yeah yeah but,
1: he uh, yeah he, I, I just I'll put it out there again he was he was sensational he was one of the, Michael Irvin was one of the best people that I've ever spoke to in terms of just being being cordial and being affable and quick to laugh and quick to joke really good guy and uh you know Conflicted me as, yeah. as as an Eagles fan, but that's a tough one. whatever. We're, we're we're not here to talk about my nonsense. Let's talk about some other football nonsense. How about this game last night on Chukana? the uh, The Baltimore Ravens end up beating the Cleveland Browns forty seven to forty two in I don't know, game of the year. I would say.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I I was it's funny you say that. We were t- I was talking to some friends about it, and I felt like it was the game of year of the year before the last drive even happened. And mm-hmm. that's like. And then the whole Lamar Jackson thing, it was just so funny. It was like the whole thing was just a blast. It was a really fun game. I have Browns fans, friends that I, I think you have to come away from that and not be too upset, honestly. Like, I mean, you obviously want to win. You want to win the division. But I think that it's it clearly shows they can hang with a team, with anyone, really. I mean, the Ravens mm-hmm. are as good a team as there is clearly in the NFL, I think, aside from the Chiefs and even the Chiefs. I think would would not be super pumped to see Lamar Jackson at that strength, and and I just mm-hmm. I um I think it it's one of those games that clearly puts the Browns on the map if they weren't already there for the especially for the national media. I mean, we talk about them all the time, but it was it was a really really good performance, and specifically for uh, number six, I think that 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 was a really good and necessary game for his. I think honestly for like his legacy too. Like these are the legacy type may, legacy creating games that Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield absolutely has to start building to uh to earn that next big deal that he may or may not get.
1: Well, yeah, I think for the Browns just being given the opportunity to play on Monday Night Football in front of yes. the whole football right. world and to to hang in there and to compete and to show that you know you're good enough to win. If there's a It sounds so sad
0: but you know. Yes,
1: yeah. but after after what they've gone through, that like showing that credibility is incredibly important. And you know, there's a perfectly you very easy to make the argument that if Justin Tucker was a Brown and Cody Parkey was a Raven, we're talking about a Browns win right now rather than mm-hmm. a a Ravens win. There's some confusing things to me. Um <laughs> first of all, the fact that the refs missed fifteen guys on the field for the Ravens blows my mind. Like that, how yeah. does that happen? How do you not notice that there's a, an extra half a unit out on the field <laughs> at one point? Yeah. Um, that was crazy. I thought I thought the Browns coaches, you know, had the opportunity to learn from some decisions they made last night. I I thought the decision by Stefanski before the half to throw the ball three times. And give the or give the Ravens. I think it was a minute nine uh, when they got the ball back after that three and out. That was a learning experience rather than just saying, "All right, you know what? Let's uh, we're going to run the ball. If we get something on first down, if we get something on second down, we can get more aggressive." But the last thing we're going to do is give the Ravens the ball back before the half, knowing that they're getting the ball at halftime as well. They obviously do get the ball. They go down and score, and you know, halftime looks a lot different than it would have otherwise. I thought. I thought Joe Woods did a really poor job, to be completely honest with you. I I I don't think – I think he's been a little bit of a letdown. For as good as Stefanski has been in his first year as the Browns coach, I think Joe Woods has been equally disappointing as the Browns defensive coordinator. And you have to wonder if he was propped up by the incredible amount of talent on that 49ers defense. The moment that really stuck out to me – and it's just well, okay, there was a couple in the first half. His refusal to spy Lamar Jackson when Lamar Jackson was the only offense the Ravens had was perplexing to me. Um, it, it seems like just even if it was somebody as garbage as Sandejo to sit back there and just say, OK, just spy Lamar. That's all you have to do. Don't commit any personal fails. Just spy Lamar. That's one. Um, but the the moment that stuck out to me was on that second Trace McSorley drive, which ended up, you know, being the basically the last drive when they got into a, a third and 10 situation yes, uh, yeah, and they, and they didn't throw the house at Trace McSorley. Mm. Just bring at least two blitzers there, make them make a quick decision and let's with get the ball back receivers, yeah. with subpar receivers and who have not been playing well. You know, Hollywood had already had three bad drops at that point mm-hmm. Um by not forcing McSorley to make a quick play. You know, and quite frankly, getting the ball back and winning the game—that—that that blew my mind. Uh, so, you know, learning experiences. And obviously, that defense is undermanned at this point. Playing without Greedy, playing without Delpa, who they took in the second round, playing without Denzel. I think they had one starter in the secondary, um, and the linebacker core is a disaster. Just. A uh, complete and utter disaster. B.J. Goodson is a he's a borderline starter, and he is so clearly their best linebacker. It's embarrassing. Taki yeah. Taki is literally nothing more than uh, he's a run stuffer and should be playing in a three four, not a four three. Mac Wilson had some success last year, and I think that's clouded people's opinions of him, making them think that he's actually better than he is. He's pretty terrible. Misses a ton of tackles, including a uh, tackle on the hole in the Gus Edwards touchdown.
0: Oh man, just, they just really fell apart that. On that.
1: That back seven is just a disaster right now. So, you know, I do think they're playing with house money this year, and that's something that Browns fans should really keep in mind, you know, considering they have the Giants, the Jets, and the Steelers week 17, when it's very likely they're going to be sitting everyone. If I were Bavada right now, I'm setting the Browns over under at 11 and a half wins. And to, to, to think about wow. that compared to where they were in past years, is just, it's incredible.
0: It is. It's, and it's, I, I think uh, you just touched on it, but I, I think you were implying it by criticizing Joe Woods, and that's to compliment what Kevin Stefanski has done. Because I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like w- Baker Mayfield's gone through, I think it's four play callers in three years. This is his fourth. And yeah. um, if I'm not mistaken, and I just, or third or fourth for sure. And like, I, I just, mm-hmm. I think that he's found something really perfect for him and how sound Stefanski is and you know Stefanski of course comes from like the Gary Kubiak thing but that really is like the Shanahan tree and so it while you don't you don't get like the the same McVay Shanahan LaFleur vibes from him like he's that is his thing and I think that he is just the perfect coach for Baker Mayfield and they have built that team so well around him because of what they have in Hunt and and Chubb, of course. And by the way, Chubb looked absolutely amazing yesterday um, I guess a really pretty good front. So I, you know, I I just I think that Stefanski deserves so much credit. I think he should be Coach of the Year, and it's mm-hmm. not particularly close. Although I think Lafleur has, has a case to be made. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I I just like I think that that's that bodes so well for Mayfield going forward because it doesn't strike me as a decision that will be made lightly but I do think that it's lining up for Baker to get that long-term deal with Cleveland after the way the last, you know, six games or so especially without Beckham have gone and I I mean I'm just I'm I'm very very impressed and I think that, you know, you know a good coordinator when you see these guys just flying wide open because they don't have the most talent in the league by any means when it comes to the pass catchers. I mean they're they're fine yeah. but they're not like creating room because they're so talented and so I I mean I I think that that's such a testament to Stefanski and Mayfield is is really feeling it right now and I, I think that those two are going to be like yes maybe it's House Money this year but by next year they're going to be very much in position to be you know to be a, a legit contender and I think that even mm-hmm. this year you know they remind me so much of the Titans from last year in that like I think that they're they're kind of hovering around that position to be you know, that's not a team that you want to be playing in the playoffs, both offensively and especially with that defensive front. And, you know, Lamar Jackson created stuff on his own, but don't get it twisted. It wasn't like, you know, this was suddenly like a revelation of a game plan or something like he was yeah. making chicken salad out of whatever mm-hmm. was out there, you know? And so like, especially on that touchdown run, or maybe it wasn't a touchdown, it was a long run where it's a keep and, um, um, it's a read option and, uh, Miles Garrett crashes outside on, I believe it was J.K. Dobbins, and then Jackson just has Joby crashes down, and there's no one, you know, in the left side, and then Jackson just right. runs like crazy. it's Like that's just not a play that you scheme up. Like it's just, it just is what it that's is. Just that's just Lamar Jackson. That's just Lamar Jackson being Lamar Jackson. You can't, you can't really defend that. And, um, and yeah. you know, I mean, I guess you can spy him like you said with Sondia or whoever. But I just, you know, I think that. Woods is, that was a tough one for him to be put on blast on Monday night, but overall, like, what the Browns have going, I think is really, it's really interesting to me, Um and it's cool, because, like, you know, every year it seems like we have this crazy Monday night game where some team kind of, like, emerges, and it's always been the game of the year. We had Chiefs-Rams and Rams-Vikings, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know there was another one in there and then you know this year this is clearly that game Ravens Browns and maybe it's the Browns being that next team to step up and make make themselves interesting in the in the contention uh frame over the next few years
1: Yeah there's two guys in the NFL that can do what Lamar Jackson did last night it's Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and yep. that's end of the list so yep, that's it There's you can't No nah, I don't I don't I mean <laughs> Hur- Hurts is in that group of you know, I honestly put them in like a Daniel Jones kind of category athletically, where they're they're good athletes. They're not great athletes, but they're good athletes. They're mm-hmm. gonna make plays, and they're gonna he ran they're gonna pit. Week, well, he he did. I don't think I I don't think, and I think we've seen after the fact that a lot of that wasn't designed, and that was yeah, really yeah. just Jalen making plays. But mm-hmm. um, but he's not like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are in a whole different level in terms of athleticism of quarterbacks sure. in the NFL right now. No, really cool. I think you were. I think you were honestly kind to the Browns uh, in a in a non Odell Browns lineup, saying that their their playmakers are okay. Um, <laughs> I think Jarvis Landry is probably. I mean Jarvis, and no insult to Jarvis, he's he's an outstanding, elite second receiver. Yes, just agree. perfect. He's a perfect complimentary receiver. Yeah. he's not a number one. No, no and no, I agree. Past that, you know, you have Rashard Higgins, who's probably a workable number three, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is a fine fourth or fifth receiver, and Kadaryl Hodge, who is a fine fourth or fifth receiver. The thing that that I always notice watching this team and the thing that really unlocks this offense is getting that guy who can actually stretch the field because the Browns face so much eight, nine guys in the box. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And if, if you can take those safeties and get them... Fifteen yards off the line instead of five yards off the line. What that running game is going to be able to do is going to be unbelievable. That would it be, does seem you know,
0: like they're trying that with DPJ. Like they're definitely yeah. giving him shots, and he's he's been better than I expected to his credit.
1: I don't. Yeah, he has. He is. Yeah, unfortunately, I look at the head to head. It's a low bar, for, between but yeah. between he and Jalen Rager, and uh, that concerns me a little bit that they're not that <laughs> okay. different, to be yeah. quite frank. But uh, not going to blame Rager for that. I, I do think that. You know, obviously linebacker is a huge a huge issue. Obviously, I uh, probably want to add another safety, maybe even a cornerback because of the nerve damage in Grady's shoulder. You don't really know what you have in him, but you know, I I keep coming back to like a guy like Rondale Moore would be oh, man. really really interesting in that offense to me because I don't know what they're going to do. What do you think ends up happening with Odell? Because you know, shaking this narrative of the offense being better without him gets increasingly more difficult when every time he doesn't play, the offense is better.
0: Well, I think that for sure has to be part of it. I, I think that Beckham, I've always been a, an Odell guy because I, I think that he gets a bad rap for being like a... I mean, he's definitely a diva, but I don't know that he necessarily <laughs> needs the ball in his hands. I, I
1: truly no, don't think I that. think he's a good teammate for the Yeah, record.
0: exactly. That's That's what I'm saying. I think that it's killing him to see how good they're doing without him and not because he's like... Some selfish, self-centered guy. Like I think that he he really wants to be part of a winner, and so I think mm-hmm. that that would want you know, kind of make him want to, of course, to be back on this team next year when presumably they're coming off of you know eleven or twelve win season, as you alluded to. But the issue to me is less about Odell Beckham the player and more about Odell Beckham the contract and the idea that you know mm. you have this this albatross in the room. I think the elephant in the room is clearly you know do you sign baker mayfield this off season and say like maybe get him at a bit of a discount than what you know he might be a year from now um and i i don't know and i mean maybe that make that forces their hand because they don't have a they don't have a cheap roster for being as poor for playing as poor as they have the last few years i mean mm-hmm. obviously making miles garrett the most uh highly paid defensive player in the league and you know, they've, I, I think that for that reason, maybe they do move on from Beckham and then they use that early pick on a playmaker. I, I think that it's it's definitely not out of the realm. Um, But it's a toss-up to me because I do think that, you know, they will find a way to use him if he's back. And I think that, you know, with Mayfield getting more comfortable with, you know, with uh, Stefanski and vice versa, I think there's a role They're probably already thinking like, oh man, if we had Odell for this part like it's great to play without him but now you yeah. know exactly like what where they could use him more acutely going forward potentially
1: Yeah it's funny because you know when we talk about the fits in that offense especially Stefanski bringing over that Vikings offense the Vikings were always one of those teams where we pointed to and like thinking oh you know imagine what Odell Beckham Jr could do yeah, in the offense Yeah for sure totally. And for whatever reason he's in that offense and it just hasn't clicked for whatever reason it seems like he should be putting up those Adam Thalian or Justin Jefferson numbers and he's not, and Juice isn't, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just a function of it takes time for Baker Mayfield to get comfortable in this offense. You're, yeah. you're right. I think I think Alex Van Pelt is his fourth different coordinator, or at least play caller. I was trying to go through my head and remember who was there the first Hugh Jackson year. Hugh Jackson, at Kitchens. Ve- at the very least, there was Hugh Jackson, Kitchens, and Todd Monken. Yes. Um, at the very least. I don't remember who the OC was. That first Hugh Jackson year, it was Monk. Uh, was it Monk in the first oh, year? Oh
0: no no no! I'm sorry. It was. Uh, was oh it man, Al, I'm trying to think I, of that. Uh, Al Saunders was
1: there, but I don't think it was him. Who was a Hard uh, Knocks? Uh, well, Freddie. Freddie was
0: the tight ends coach. Uh,
1: no, the running backs coach. Running backs coach, I think. But he, or, I don't remember. Regardless, a positional coach, and he was criticizing Hugh Jackson openly on Hard Knocks. Right, right. Um, but who was
0: the guy? Was it Al Saunders?
1: Saunders was like a special coordinator or something along those lines who was it
0: yeah that anyways it was whoever it was I Baker Mayfield has gone through a lot of that and to to have that solidified you know I think is, is such a boon to the future of his career he got very very fortunate to have such a rock-solid coordinator who has no hesitation with running the ball in you know any situation really except for that that hilarious late uh, first half situation which you're totally right about
1: yeah. but
0: yeah i mean i think that i i do think that landry actually is i mean landry has been putting up more numbers the last few weeks but like if you're a defense he's the only guy that you have to as far as that receiving core that you're even remotely concerned with, right so.
1: and he doesn't have that elite speed by any stretch
0: no 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 he's just he's just a get open guy but that's okay there's definitely room for that type of player and so mm-hmm. you know i do think that if they had the money and they don't resign mayfield this offseason Like, I do think that they're in a a spot where they can reintegrate Odell Beckham to it. And then remember, they, of course, spent all that money on Hooper and they've re-signed Hunt and Chubbs back. And, you know, they've got, they've got, and then they've spent on the offensive line. Like, they they could be a really dangerous uh, uh, offense next year if they're able to bring Beckham back.
1: Yeah. I mean, safety linebacker, I would still say receiver corner. And, you know, that's not asking a lot when you're talking about free agency plus the draft. So, right. and you get Grant Delpit back, hoping he's the same player post Achilles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll see. This is a, it's a really, really, team. for sure. Uh, you know, currently plus 2200 to win the AFC at Bavada and, uh, no, not horrible, not, <laughs> not, not horrible, but yeah, you're, you're right that I'm probably not putting my money there in, a, in the world where the chiefs exist.
0: Yeah. I mean, and honestly, that team that they played, I, like they could beat the Ravens, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but it's cool that they were able to hang in that game being undermanned. I truly think they were, they were significantly undermanned in that game.
1: Oh, well, I mean, yes, sure. Yeah. For sure. No question about that. Uh, All right. Let's get to our week 15 NFL picks. And uh, as always, we're using the lines over at Bovada for those. And I'm saying these words because I'm trying to find the actual lines for this week. (laughs) Let's go. uh, Let's go. Los Angeles Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Bovada has the Raiders minus three and a half at home
0: so the key to the theme to this week's picks has to be who has what to play for and yeah um you know it's crazy to me that the Ra- the Raiders are seven and six and even yeah like the Ravens absolutely had to win that game they could w- win out and not make the playoffs they do not control their own destiny which is just insane to me that they could be 11 and 5 and have that happen um same with Cleveland but I I don't know I think that uh I think that the Raiders are gonna definitely take care of business here. I, I hope they don't end up ten and six and missing the playoffs, but they've been so off and on that I'm I'm not gonna shed any tears for them if they do miss.
1: Agreed. the uh, The Buffalo Bills, who kind of manhandled those Pittsburgh Steelers this past week, head to Denver to take on the Denver Broncos. Bavada has the Broncos plus seven at home.
0: Drew Locke looked real good last week i know it was against Mm -hmm. a pretty terrible panthers defense but (laughs) um you know anytime anyone throws four touchdowns and earns them like that like he did bombing the ball over the field definitely catches your eye so uh i think it's going to be interesting for broncos fans to look across the field and see josh allen because there's definitely some like raw physical similarities between lock and allen but i think that's where it stops and you're hoping if you're a broncos fan that you know, that next evolution is something like what Allen has shown here as he makes his late season MVP push. But I like Denver. I like Denver to cover here. I think it's a clear look ahead for Buffalo. Although I think they'll still hang on and win.
1: Locke has to be infuriating for Broncos fans because oh, just, just, just frequently enough, he gives you these big games and these flashes of what he can be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, it seems like that's totally as is tradition for the Broncos, isn't it? Like, mm cutler and you know the, they get tantalized by different random young quarterbacks and then like even osweiler had a decent run there for a year <laughs> and then i i mean i don't know i wouldn't be super pumped about Locke if i was in the position to draft one of these quarterbacks in this year's draft
1: the no me neither the uh, carolina panthers had to green bay to take on the uh, nfc leading green bay ah! packers thanks in part to the packers and the philadelphia eagles for beating yes the Saints, mainly the Eagles. Yes, the, thank uh,
0: you, Philly. <laughs> Thank you, Jalen Hurts.
1: Uh, Green Bay Packers minus nine at Bavada.
0: Yeah, Yeah, looks like McCaffrey's not going to play. Um, Panthers obviously completely out of it at this point, but still playing pretty tough. I I mean, but the way that they just hemorrhaged points to to lock last week, I gotta think that Aaron Rodgers, as he as he eyes an MVP, as third. You know, mm-hmm. I I think that he's going to be looking to uh, hang some numbers, so I like the Packers to cover here.
1: Why in the world, why in the world would the Panthers put Christian McCaffrey back into a football game this year?
0: I don't know, especially as he keeps tweaking things and I don't know. I mean, mean, really, it would just be for fantasy owners to not be pissed off. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's really no reason.
1: It's insane to me that they even continue to float this idea that he's going to play another game. It's, it seems counterproductive for him. It seems counterproductive for the team. It's just a bad idea in general. Yeah, he's uh, pushing
0: himself to play in a season where games don't matter. Like I just don't get it.
1: Which is really funny coming from a guy who didn't want to play in a uh, in a bowl game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> good point. But I guess he signed his deal, and I mean I don't know. That that's even more reason not to put him out there. I would think.
1: Oh, I don't know. The uh, Houston Texans travel to Indianapolis to take on Frank Reich and in those Indianapolis Colts. Bavada has the Colts minus seven.
0: Colts are rounding into form. I love the Colts minus seven. I think that uh, Jonathan Taylor is looking like the player we expected him to be. And Brandon Cook should be back for for Houston. But uh, Indianapolis, their offense looks really good. T.Y. Hilton has been a revelation last few weeks as well. So Gimme Indian. I think they are a, a legitimate contender in the AFC.
1: Agreed. The Chicago Bears head to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Bavada has the Vikings minus three at home.
0: Seems like a loser leaves town matchup. They're both hanging in there. The Bears go from five and one to five and seven and then look good last week, and now everyone in Chicago thinks they're making the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it should be fun to see that uh progress. But I don't know. I I I like Minnesota. I think that aside from that just weird game against Dallas, they've they've looked really good. They if not for Dan Bailey, they beat the Bucks last week too. So Vikings are are not an easy out either. If they're to be the seventh seed in the playoffs, so um, give me Minnesota. I think that they're they're definitely a good bet here.
1: The Jacksonville Jaguars head to Baltimore to take on those Baltimore Ravens, and Bavada has the Ravens minus thirteen and a half. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. And it sounds like Minshew mania is back for the Jags, is. which means probably a lot of tossing the ball over the yard in Baltimore. Not sure how good of a strategy that is, but, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Baltimore seemed, I don't know about you, like 42 points is not good, obviously, um, to give up, but I, I do think that they are, that was the kind of game they needed. You could just sense it to get back on track. And, uh, they seem to have a lot of that swagger back and I expect them to blow out the Jags this weekend.
1: I don't know. mania, aren't you? Anything can happen. That's true. The New England Patriots head to Miami to take on those Miami Dolphins. Bavada has the Dolphins minus two and a half at home.
0: Dolphins. They I mean, they had the Chiefs there dead to rights They're intercepting mm-hmm. Mahomes left and right, and then, you know, obviously just the Chiefs I think what's so impressive about the Chiefs is like when they play their C game, they still beat an obvious playoff team by like you know by what they beat them by. So I it, by multiple possessions. So I like that's the difference between the Chiefs and everyone else. No other team can play their C game and beat a team like the Dolphins like that. And that's the that's a terrifying thing when you go into the playoffs against them, but um I do I I mean this is it really interesting to me too cuz like as you've brought, pointed out multiple times is Brian Flores the best Belichick tree coach that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a good opportunity heads up to see uh to see that matchup but i like i like miami here
1: i always forget about Vrabel. i i think oh, he deserves yeah. to be in that conversation too
0: was he a coach with with the I thought, I
1: thought he was
0: i thought he was um, maybe with the chiefs or something
1: i'm looking i'm looking up them for like, them yeah it's i look i it's worth pointing out if i'm right it's worth pointing out if i'm wrong more interesting if i'm wrong uh <laughs> as as a coach he was never a member of the uh, Bill Belichick tree, so never mind. Never mind. He's I a, mean, he. I
0: mean, he's obviously a natural fit. As like, all right, obviously he played for Belichick, so you can you can put him in the tree. But I just didn't think he coached under him.
1: He's in the uh, he's in the Urban Meyer tree. If that's oh. something you want to start. Ooh. Uh, I can't Ohio remember who State? the Texas. Tech- yeah, it was he was linebackers coach in Ohio State and defensive line coach in Ohio State. And I don't remember who the Texans coach was. Now. Uh, 24 was it romeo 20 2014 to 2017 so hmm. i don't remember or care yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> no that's right now never bit.
0: mind i don't know why he would have been there then i have no idea
1: mm, who knows bill o'brien he's in the bill o'brien tree
0: also a uh, belichick guy isn't he
1: so by default that you doesn't that put him into the belichick tree sure look at that look at yep. that we uh made that work code <laughs> cracked <laughs> The uh, San Francisco 49ers head to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Bavada has the Cowboys plus three. Cowboys somehow
0: not technically dead, I guess, but, Mm -hmm. you know. Welcome to the
1: NFC East. Yeah,
0: yeah. Everyone's not dead. No one's dead. Um, I don't know. I'm very much. I I mean, the Niners are another team where it was like they have a great chance to beat, you know. No one thinks much of the Washington football team, or they weren't. And I think the Niners, their season's over now, and so um, wouldn't be surprising at all if from here on the Niners just go into the tank as they as they probably should at this point.
1: Yeah, they keep trying to compete, and you have to give uh, you have to give that to them. It's better to compete than not, but you know, you're right. Mm. This is stylus <laughs> for for their future. It's not the best decision. Right. The Seattle Seahawks head to Washington to take on the Washington Football Team. And not to be confused with the Cleveland baseball team. Ooh. And the football team is plus six at Bavada.
0: Well, I like the football team here. I think that they, assuming Alex Smith plays, which it sounds like they're optimistic he will. Um, I just think that, first of all, Seattle had all kinds of problems with the Giants, obviously, at home with Colt McCoy. And then kind of a similar type of defense, uh, you know, a rough team. And then having to play a noon game, which is what, like, 10 local for the for the seahawks so mm-hmm. uh noon central i should say so yeah i mean i think that uh i like i like washington here i think they cover i think they they could very easily outright beat the seahawks in this game
1: oh my god um uh, <laughs> co-host sorry my my you're wrong and here's why co-host and uh and underdog associate greg crone is losing his mind right now in fear that the 76ers are about to trade ben simmons for james harden oh but uh, uh, Based on nothing, by the way. Just but, but a gut feeling. Okay. Yeah, ir- irrational anger, and that is that could be the uh, the autobiographical name <laughs> or, 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 <laughs> name of na- name of Greg Crone's autobiography. There it is. Um, yeah, words are hard. <laughs> the the Tempe Buccaneers head to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Bavada has the Falcons plus six.
0: Falcons also a team playing somewhat hard for their coach. their mm-hmm. probable lame duck coach, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I got to think that this, that, uh, that they come off the Schneider and the Bucks are able to, although they didn't look great last week, throw the ball over the yard on day on Atlanta. So give me Tampa here.
1: The New York football jets head to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Bavada has the Rams minus 17 in the biggest line of the week.
0: Oh my gosh. I don't think the Jets are that bad. I mean, they obviously were terrible last week against Seattle, but <laughs> I i don't know. I, I like the Jets to cover that. That seems like way too many points.
1: I think you're right. The Jets have play, been playing okay-ish lately. Yeah, last um, week notwithstanding, but yeah. Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles head to Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Bavada has the Cardinals minus six at home.
0: Interesting game. Obviously, both teams have quite a bit to play for here. I like the Eagles to cover. Prove me wrong. Like I mean, I think that I think that they've got something with Hurts here, and that's juiced the rest of the roster. So give me Philly.
1: For the record, I really wanted to lose a shootout last week. Uh, the uh, don't think this. Oh, is a team you're alive, baby. Don't think this is a team that's good enough to do it. To actually, do anything, and uh, a loss they'd be picking four. With the win, they're picking wow. nine. Wow. Uh, yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs head to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. Bavada has the Saints uh, plus three at home.
0: Love the Chiefs here. I think the Saints are – this is trending towards Drew Brees coming back week 16. The Taysom Hill thing is over, and uh, I like Mm -hmm. Kansas City.
1: And uh, I guess we have a Tuesday game. That's weird. Uh, This is a weird year. Also worth pointing out, this is the first week of Saturday games, including your your Green Bay Packers. Indeed. The uh, Cleveland Browns head to New York to take on the New York football giants. Bavada has the football giants plus four at home
0: really like the Browns here. I think they've got something going, like you said. I think they win out, and, uh, yeah, I like Cleveland.
1: And, finally, the Pittsburgh Steelers head to Cincinnati to take on the oh, Cincinnati God. Bengals. Game of the week, oh, primetime, Tuesday night. Happen. Monday night. Oh, that's Monday night, sorry. Yeah. I'm wrong. This is not a Tuesday game. Uh, the Yeah, who let this happen is right. How did this not get flexed? The uh, the Bengals plus 13 at home.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah, I like Pittsburgh. I think there's – it's almost good that they've lost these last two weeks the way they have. I, I just – I feel like they needed the kick in the pants. So give me Pittsburgh. I think that they win pretty big on Cincinnati.
1: All right. That is uh, all we have to talk about this week for Anshu Shukana I'm Chris Hordell. This has been The Underdog. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.